The Premier League season is over. Thank God for that. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this edition, we're going to be looking back on Arsenal's season. It's a bit of a season review. It's my season review with my own personal opinion on how the season's gone. We're going to be breaking it down into various elements and I'll be taking you through it. And uh, you can, of course, as always, let me know whether you agree or disagree in the comments section below. Over the course of the next week, we're going to be bringing you plenty of reflective comment uh, content on what's been an underwhelming season. There's no doubt about that, but there have been reasons for that. Um, there have been things that have been outside of Mikel Arteta's control. There have been mistakes that he has made as well that you cannot deny and you cannot get away from. So I'm not going to try and do that. I'm not going to try and dodge uh, Mikel Arteta's mistakes. I'm not going to try and paint a prettier picture than actually what we've seen. But I'm going to try and paint a fair picture. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you guys in the comments as well. Uh, just a couple of bits of housekeeping to get out of the way at the very start. First of all, disclaimer, my throat is a mess. Um, I am still ill again. Um, I still have a cold. I'm still bunged up. So talking is incredibly uh, challenging at the moment. So the disclaimer is if I pause to sneeze, if I pause to cough, if I reach for a tissue midstream uh, to blow my running nose, then I do apologize. But that's the way it's got to be. Um, apologies for not bringing you any sort of content uh, immediately after the Brighton and Hove Albion game last night. I was on my final commentary of the season yesterday, the game between Leicester City and Spurs. Um, went out for a few drinks with the team afterwards and, and I got home late and just, yeah, that that was that is what it is. Uh, but yeah, we're back today. And as I say, over the course of the next week, we're going to be bringing you lots of reflective content on what's been a, uh, a difficult season for Arsenal fans. Right, let's start. So I'm going to break this down into a few different categories. So I'm going to start with our league form, right? In isolation, Arsenal's league form in isolation is uh, is our first port of call. And I think, you know, you look at, you look at where we are uh, in terms of, of where we finished and you look at the fact that we finished in eighth place, um, which is not good enough. It's not an improvement on last season because Arsenal finished in eighth last season. But what it is an improvement on is our points tally. So Arsenal managed 61 points in the Premier League this season. Last season, when we finished eighth, we only managed 56. So we've done five points uh, better uh, this time around. And Mikel Arteta was talking a little bit yesterday. Uh, he said that if we had hit 61 points last season, we'd have finished fifth. Actually, that's not quite right. We'd have finished sixth below Leicester City, who managed 62. Um, so I, I, get, I understand what he was what he was trying to say, uh, that those points would have got us in a higher position last season. But is that really relevant? 
No, it's not. It, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, Arsenal finishing eighth place in the league, and and that's not acceptable. You know, it doesn't matter how you try and dress it up. It doesn't matter how you try and paint the picture. And it feels like Mikel Arteta was trying to kind of save face a little bit by suggesting that this sixty-one points was a significant improvement. It's an improvement of five points, which over the course of a season is not particularly big. And it's not something you should be shouting about, in my opinion, when Arsenal have finished in a really, really disappointing eighth place. I'm glad that we're not in the Europa Conference League next season. I genuinely am. But, you know, the fact that we weren't even good enough to qualify for that kind of tells you the story of our Premier League season. And, um, you know, you've got to be realistic and you've got to be fair in your assessment, whether or not you believe Mikel Arteta is the right man. Uh, just before I continue, big shout out to Daniel Lillington for your very kind super chat donation, mate. Thank you so much. He says, I, Harry, finally managed to catch you while I'm at work for a live chat. Uh, great to see, mate. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining me. And of course, for your kind super chat donation. Really, really appreciate it. Going back to the league form, so we've looked at, you know, the overall picture and the fact, yes, Arsenal finished five points better off this season. But as I say, eighth place is still not acceptable. What's been most disappointing about this season from an Arsenal perspective is not even, you know, the number of wins. You know, we've we've only we were only one win short of, of West Ham United, who finished in sixth. We're only two wins short of Leicester City and of Liverpool. Um who ended up finishing in third at the end of the day. Where we've struggled is we've simply lost too many games. You know, Liverpool, for all the troubles they've had this season, have only lost on nine occasions. Arsenal, though, lost 13 times. That's three times more than we lost in the 2019-2020 campaign. And the most worrying thing about that is that seven of those defeats came at the Emirates Stadium. Seven home defeats. That is simply not good enough, simply unacceptable. And it's another one of those stats that no matter how Mikel Arteta tries to dress it up, you know, you cannot ignore it. Yes, some of the performances have been, you know, better than what we actually got at the end of some of those games. You know, there's been some games where we've we've played actually relatively well over the course of the campaign and then been hit by a sucker punch late on. But it, it, it doesn't matter, does it? Over the course of the season, you have to be doing better, particularly at home. So to lose seven of those 13 league games at the Emirates Stadium is, is, is clearly unacceptable. I guess some people have made the argument over whether or not we would have been better off with the fans in the stadium. I actually think it's probably the opposite. I think that this team given the way that they've played at times, given the lack of sort of pace and tempo with which they've applied themselves at various points in the season, would have got a really hard time had there been an Emirates crowd there. We all know what the Emirates crowd is like. Those of us who have been fortunate enough to go there um, regularly down the years will know that when things aren't going your way, that the, the attitude and the mood can become quite toxic, quite negative. And um, and I think that this group would have struggled to cope with that. So I actually think that Mikel Arteta, for all the, you know, well, you know, we, we've we really missed our fans and it's been tough without them kind of talk. Actually, it's probably had a bit of a, a touch there because I genuinely do think that there was some performances at home that the fans simply wouldn't have accepted and they'd have made their feelings known, not just about Mikel Arteta, but about some of the individuals and some of their performances over the course of the season. Continuing on the league form, though, when you break it down into two parts, if you wish to do that, obviously, some people will say, what's the point? Or, or you know, the season is 38 games long and not 24 um, or, or whatever it is that you kind of want to break it down to. And I agree. But to give Mikel Arteta some credit, 
Arsenal have been far better in the Premier League since Christmas. Only two sides, Manchester United and Manchester City, have picked up more points than us during that period of time. And for that, Mikel Arteta deserves some credit. He made a change to the way we were playing in terms of our system, in terms of our shape. I argued earlier on in the season that actually he probably stumbled across that off the back of of being desperate to find additional creativity. I don't think it was in his mind, um, you know, to do that uh, sort of earlier on in the campaign. I don't think, you know, some people have said it was always Mikel Arteta's end goal to get there, to play with that number 10, but he had number 10s at the football club and completely uh, chose to overlook them. So I don't think that was the case. I think that Mikel Arteta really struggled uh, with finding the balance between getting that defensive stability and finding the, the extra spark in, in in the forward areas. And I think he, out of desperation at a point when Arsenal were at their lowest, threw in a couple of youngsters, um, shifted up the system, changed it up a bit, saw the benefit from doing that immediately and then decided to persist with it for the remainder of the campaign. And it served him well. Look, Mikel Arteta was always going to make mistakes. Rookie manager taking over a massive, massive job. Um, it was always going to be difficult. And while I don't excuse the first half of the season, I think you have to say that for those who are kind of dismissing the idea of progress being made, I think you have to take into account that the second part of the season has been significantly better. The record's been decent. The record's been, um, you know, not flawless, not perfect, but much improved. And and as I always say, if we're going to hammer him for the mistakes and for the errors, then we have to give him praise when he gets something right. And I think that change, however he came to to stumble across it, actually uh, benefited Arsenal dramatically. And um, and we've seen an improvement since. It's not enough of an improvement. It wasn't enough of an improvement to see us close the gap on the top six, but it was an improvement that should not be dismissed. Let me quickly go back over to the live chat again. Uh, let's say a big hello to BVB. 09. He says, yo, Harry, on vacation this week and finally get to see a live show. Thank you for tuning in, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Big hello to everybody else in the comments as well. And um, if you're joining us a little bit late, apologies for my uh, my sore throat and my huskier than usual voice. Uh, big hello to Jordan Perez in there as well. He says, hi, Harry. Um, just touching on the formation. He says that we should stick with the three at the back. I feel like it's a solid formation. As soon as we change it to a back four, it started to go wrong. I actually disagree. I think that with the back four, you know, maybe we don't look as defensively sound, but I think that with the back, with the back three and then sacrificing that extra attacking midfielder, I think we look toothless in attack. And I, I think we need to find more of a balance. I, I really, really do. Uh, Let's uh, just give you guys a quick reminder before we continue that this podcast is kindly brought to you by manscaped.com. So if you haven't already done so, head over to the Manscaped website, enter the discount code 19min20 and you'll get 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. You can stand to save yourself a lot of money on whatever it is you choose to purchase from Manscaped and particularly with lockdown easing, you might want to get that area sorted out. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Uh, it is uh, they, They've got some fantastic products. Highly recommend the Lawnmower 3.0. It will get your pitch looking as lush, uh, hopefully not as green though, as the Emirates Stadium pitch. So head over to manscaped.com and check that out. And we thank them as always for their very, very kind sponsorship of the show. Uh, also, while I'm on the point of uh, 
of reminders and, and all of that jazz. Uh, please do hit the uh, like button on the video. That really, really massively helps. And I'd love us to be able to get to 100 likes between now and the end of the video. That would be massive and uh, I'd hugely appreciate it. Uh, there's around about 100 of you watching right now across the multiple platforms, but we're only on 15 likes. So let's take that up a notch. Let's try and get to 100 between now and the end of the show. We're also approaching 13,500 subscribers on YouTube. So if you are uh, consuming this content via YouTube, then please do subscribe to the channel as well if you're new. Going back to the Arsenal um, the Arsenal season review then. So we've established that the second part of the season uh, was a lot better uh, than the first part of the season, but it still wasn't good enough. And, you know, I kept making the point throughout the season that if Arsenal do end up, um, you know, missing out on Europe, it would be because of the fact that the first half of the season was a shambles. And whilst it's not excusable and you shouldn't dismiss it, when when judging where Mikel Arteta is and where this Arsenal team are at the moment, you know, it's, you know, it, you, you got to look forward. you got to look forward. I think you can't get too caught up on it. I think Mikel Arteta will be under immense pressure from the start of next season, and rightly so. Uh, but you have to take some positive from the fact that the second part of the league campaign was so, so much better. Uh, let me just quickly address a couple of questions in the live chat, because if I don't, I'll forget to do these. Uh, where are we here? Uh, Nishith says uh, end of season social club review returning. Yes. Tonight at 9.30 p.m. UK time right here on the channel. It'll be available in audio first thing on Tuesday morning. We're going to be uh, giving our end of season awards across the Premier League. Myself, Dan DeLuca and journalist Harry DeCosimo. Uh, BBC sport journalist Harry De Cosimo will be um, taking you through uh, our awards. So we're going to be doing, you know, team of the season, manager of the season, player of the season, best signing, worst signing, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to be doing all of that tonight. Uh, Selgeus also asks, will you be doing a season player rating? Yes, we'll be bringing you that across the uh, course of the week. So lots of content coming your way. And, and in answer to uh, Pat's question as well, we'll be doing an Arteta rating as well. So all of that is to come this week. So make sure you're subscribed if you're not already. Right. So we we've touched on the league form. We've touched on the fact that it was significantly better in the second half of the season. And we've touched on the main reason why it was significantly better. I believe it was down to a system change, a formation change and a change of emphasis in the way we played. I think that Emil Smith-Rowe has been key. Um, I think that there have been other players, though, who have been key in Arsenal picking things up and turning things around. And some of those players don't get the, um, you know, the the credit that they deserve. And a couple of those players I'm going to mention now are going to get me some stick in the comments, but I don't care because I think it's fair and I want to give those players uh, the credit they deserve. So I'm going to start off by giving Granite Xhaka some praise. Uh, you won't be surprised to hear that if you're a regular listener of the show. I'm always beating the drum about how important he is to this side, regardless of what people think of him. And I think that Granite Xhaka, for me, uh, has been uh, has been one of the most consistent performers um, across the course of the season. You know, it dropped off a little bit when he was asked to play out a position and move into the left-back slot, which obviously didn't suit Granite Xhaka. Um, and obviously weakened us in midfield, I thought, off the back of that. So in hindsight, I think... Mikel Arteta got that wrong. But I think when you look at the overall consistency across the squad, it's been a problem. 
And there are only a few players who come out of the campaign with any real credit. And Granite Xhaka has to be one of them. I'm going to talk about my best player of the season. So I'll save some of this chat uh, for then in a in a few moments. But Granite Xhaka deserves an honourable mention, as does, in my opinion, Alexander Lacazette. But stay tuned and I'm going to give you a bit more context and reasoning as to why uh, I've uh, I've mentioned those. A uh, big thank you to Daniel for your very, very kind uh, super chat. Um, He's asking that same old question that Daniel always likes to ask. So we'll ignore that part. Uh, but he asks, what are my thoughts on Joe Willock um, and, and Steve Bruce taking the shackles off of him? I think Joe Willock's done incredibly well during that loan spell. And he's actually gone a long way in convincing me uh, that he could offer something to Arsenal next season. When I thought really um, that the best course of action would have been to sell him. As much as I like Joe Willock, I still think, though, if the right money is on the table, then you consider selling him. Um, I think you've got to be ruthless in that sense. And I think you've got to you've got to assess what might be on the table or what does come across the table against how much of an impact you think Joe Willock can have at the Emirates Stadium next season. So there's still a decision to be made there, in my opinion. But thank you, Daniel, for your very, very kind uh, super chat donation. Right, uh, let's uh, continue. So we've talked about the Premier League bit. Uh, let's move on, though, to our performance in the domestic cups. FA Cup defence was an absolute shambles. I said at the time that Mikel Arteta was right, uh, in my opinion, to, to, to rotate the squad, uh, to make changes uh, for that fourth round trip to Southampton because of all the games we had uh, coming up. And I still believe that at that point in time, it was the right decision. It was the right call. Um, you know, Arsenal at that point were in contention of qualifying for Europe via the Premier League, but also via the Europa League. The FA Cup, as great as it is, and as much as it won Mikel Arteta, much favour with the Arsenal fa uh, faithful, despite a quite uninspiring start to his Arsenal uh, managerial tenure, the FA Cup never offered a route uh, back into the um, back into the, the 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 Champions League, it never offered us a route, did it? It was, you know, it was great when we won it last year, but it didn't get us into um, into the Champions League. It got us back into the Europa League. But at the point where the Premier League and the Europa League were still alive for us, I think that Mikel Arteta was right to do what he did and prioritise those two competitions. It was a bad performance and we ended up getting beaten by Southampton and knocked out. And, and when you look at it sort of from a, a more simplistic point of view, going out in the fourth round of a competition that you are the holders of, considering you only enter it um, in the in the second round is, is uh, sorry, in the third round is quite frustrating. But I think overall, I think Mikel Arteta was right to prioritise the Premier League as well as the, um, as the uh, Europa League over the FA Cup. But it's always difficult and hard and and disappointing when you 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 give up the defence of a title that you so desperately um, or, or that meant so much or that was so helpful um, in terms of endearing yourself as a manager uh, from Mikel Arteta's point of view to the fans the season prior. So, yeah, you know, not ideal. Uh, but moving on to the Carabao Cup, actually, Arsenal did quite well in the Carabao Cup. When you consider the draws we had, we knocked out Leicester City at the King Power Stadium, as well as uh, Liverpool at Anfield as well. Uh, so, you know, it was it was a decent run in the Carabao, uh, in the Carabao Cup and you can't deny that. 
and you know, yes, we we came unstuck in the end. We came unstuck in the quarterfinal uh, stage uh, when we faced Manchester City. But look, there's no shame in getting beaten by Manchester City. They're a far better team than us. Uh, they're a far stronger group than us. Far stronger squad. And were you that bothered about the Carabao Cup? Because I know I wasn't. But just looking at the domestic cup competitions, how did Arsenal fare? Uh, knocked out in the fourth round of the FA Cup, undoubtedly disappointing. But in the Carabao Cup, of course, uh, to go out in the quarterfinals. You know, it isn't great and, and the nature of our defeat to Manchester City was quite disappointing. But to go out to Manchester City overall or, or in the context of things is not before anyone says it in the chat. It's not me accepting mediocrity. It's me being realistic about the competition that would have been right at the bottom of Arsenal's priority list at the start of the season. Moving on, let's discuss Arsenal's European performance. Um, and of course, Arsenal were in the... Um, were in the, you know, the Europa League from the very start. We weren't Champions League dropouts. And on the face of it, going out at the semi-final stage is quite respectable. You know, it's not a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. Obviously, we'd have loved to have won it, etc., etc. But to go out at the semi-final stage, in my opinion, is not something that's a total and utter disgrace. But I think for me, what was disappointing was the, the nature of that defeat the nature of our elimination and the way in which we crashed out. First of all, the fact that it was at the hands of uh, Unai Emery uh, was was difficult to take when you consider how poorly he did in sort of the, the back end of his Arsenal tenure. To think that that guy basically out, outdone us and outsmarted us was frustrating. Um, to think that that Villarreal side, a distinctly average, was also frustrating. Mikel Arteta has to take a lot of the blame, having tinkered with the team, having messed about with systems and tried to play a forced nine. Um, you know, in the away leg, that didn't make sense. And basically, the fact that we went out without a whimper was was really frustrating. And and there's no getting away from that. You you have to say that our domestic, uh, sorry, our European campaign while on the face of it, a semi-final, a run to a semi-final seems quite respectable. Actually, the nature and the way in which we crashed out was incredibly disappointing. We should never have gone out to the, that Villarreal side. We should be preparing for a final on Wednesday, and we're not. So it's impossible for me to see that in any other way, uh, other than it being a huge and, and a huge disappointment and incredibly underwhelming. Moving on to uh, the best player and the worst player. Uh, let's start with the best player. I've thought a lot about this uh, over the last sort of few hours, and I've kind of led towards one man who I think most of you will probably agree with. Um, and that player is, for me, going to be Bukayo Saka, uh, because I think over the course of the season, he's shown incredible maturity, incredible uh, versatility, uh, and the fact that he's maintained his level for the most part of the season up to a really good standard at just 19 years old is something he deserves incredible credit for. What I will say is that it did drop off a little bit at the end of the season, but I don't think that that was enough um, or, or that the drop off was so big that I have to take this away from him. So I still maintain uh, that despite a, a drop-off at the back end of the campaign, actually Bukayo Saka was probably Arsenal's best player over the course of the season. I mentioned Xhaka earlier on um, and I mentioned Lacazette earlier on as well because I think 
In Xhaka's case, the consistency's been there. Um, he's played so many games this season and has been much improved in comparison to some of his previous seasons at Arsenal. And, and I think that regardless of your opinion on him from prior uh, ongoings, regardless of what you think about his you know, antics when he, you know, reacted to the fans' criticism that day, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. To deny that is simply disingenuous. I think he's been so important and, and so consistent. Um, I think Tierney's been great when he's played, but just been injured too much for me to put him in this. And and the other one that I mentioned earlier on is Alexander Lacazette. And I, I stick by that because I think he looked done and dusted. Uh, Alexander Lacazette, but I think he's led the line when tasked with doing so really, really well, linked up brilliantly with those around him, brought the best out of some of those young players who have been deployed in those attacking positions uh, up top alongside him. Um, you know, I, I think that Lacazette, that plus his goal tally, which has been better uh, than in, in recent years, is is something that you have to say uh, he deserves praise for and deserves credit for. So he was in the, the thought process. Pepe has delivered um, at certain points in the season. But again, you know, I, I struggled with putting him in there because of the fact that he's been so in and out of the team. And, and that's probably, you know, Mick, on Mikel Arteta. Well, it is on Mikel Arteta. But I mean, Mikel Arteta has probably got that wrong. Well, he's definitely got that wrong. Because for all the praise that I've just given Bukayo Saka, he has contributed nowhere near as many goals Um as Nicolas Pepe and and Nicolas Pepe's goal threat is something Arsenal really really need at a time where the midfield are not contributing with goals Emil Smith Rowe's not really contributed with a huge amount of goals neither has Martin Odegaard since joining on loan from Real Madrid so for me you know that goal threat that Pepe brings to the table and having a goal threat outside of Lacazette and outside of Aubameyang is has been massive and um and you know looking back on it Mikel Arteta was wrong to leave him out of the team and was wrong to cast him aside at various points in the season. I think he's realised that mistake similarly to the way he realised that the formation and the system that he started the campaign out with just simply weren't going to work. But it feels like it's too little too late. And had Nicolas Pepe played a little bit more football this season, you never know. He may have scored some goals that may have led to Arsenal picking up more points and thus improving our league position. To put it into context, in the Premier League this season, Nicola Pepe has started in just 42% of our games. It's less than half. Less than half for Nicolas Pepe. So you've got to uh, have some sympathy for him and you've got to give him praise for when given the opportunity later on in the season to take those opportunities with both hands and uh, and prove his manager wrong. In terms of the worst player, uh, I'm sure we can all bloody agree uh, who that worst player is. And, and that is going to be Willian. What an awful signing that has turned out to be. At the time, I thought it might be okay. I thought that you were looking at somebody who... Um, who would add some much needed experience to a vastly inexperienced um, forward line who would come in and, and be somebody we could call upon from the subs bench when things were, were tough, but it hasn't worked out like that. And, and at the start of the season, Mikel Arteta persisted with Willian and it just didn't work. And again, like many of the other decisions he's made, he realized too late that Willian was actually not going uh, to deliver what he wanted and not going to propel Arsenal or assist Arsenal in going up to that next level. So, yeah, uh, William for me, has been uh, the worst player and probably, actually, by quite some distance. 
I don't I, I, I don't like slagging people off. Um, I don't like getting personal, but there's no getting away from it. Willian, for me, has been Arsenal's worst player of the season. We'll come on to the manager. And with the manager, I think, as I've said, you know, on the one hand, you've got to respect that he's gone back on certain decisions after sort of <coughs> apologies, after acknowledging that they were wrong and, and realising that they were wrong. But ultimately, those U-turns came too late. And those U-turns have, have for me, um, you know, yes, gone some way in salvaging sort of, I'm not even going to say salvaging the season because we haven't, but I've gone some way in uh, improving things towards the back end of the campaign. Arsenal won five in a row uh, in the Premier League, of course, finishing off with that 2-0 win over Brighton. But ultimately, those decisions came too late in the day and he got it wrong in the first place. And and Mikel Arteta needs to be scrutinised for that. Um, Has he had to deal with things outside of his control? I think he has. Um, I think there have been situations at Arsenal that have been uh, problematic for him and the team that have been caused by others. I think that Mikel Arteta is doing the right thing in theory by looking to change the culture at the club. Um, but I think at times he's cut his nose off to spite his face. He's at times made decisions based on attitude, made decisions based on maybe things that he's seen on the training ground and and kind of that's let us down. You know, there are, there have been lots of players over history whose attitude was questionable at times, but they delivered on the pitch and therefore they were not allowed to get away with it, but it was kind of swept under the carpet a little bit for the good of the team. Sir Alex Ferguson was great at doing that. Um, you know, the, the names that comes to mind is always Roy Keane. Absolute nightmare to manage, absolute nightmare in the dressing room at times, but you knew what he was going to give you on the pitch and you kind of dealt with that. And you put up with that um, in order to 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 ensure the greater good of the team. So, yeah, I think Mikel Arteta has, has made a lot of mistakes this season. I'm hoping that the the longer term benefits of him sort of wanting to change the culture will come um, it, next season, and, and we kind of got to retain that hope. He's not going anywhere this summer, regardless of your view on him. You know, he's not going anywhere this summer. We got to accept that. We got to deal with that and move on. But, you know, there have been mistakes. And and as I said earlier on, you know, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on every decision that Mikel Arteta takes from the start of next season, and, and rightly so. Omar says, what culture, Harry? The culture is, you know, people like Aubameyang being left out for turning up late. I guarantee you Arsene Wenger wouldn't have left Aubameyang out for doing that. He would have looked at it and gone, Aubameyang is my best player, and therefore I have to play him. And, and Wenger did that throughout the years. He gave captaincies to people that didn't really deserve them or weren't 100% committed to the club to keep them at the club as a way of kind of sweetening that relationship. And, and at some point, it worked because Arsenal's results were more consistent. But in order to weed these kind of characters out, you know, like the likes of Matteo Guendouzi, whose attitude was clearly poor and was sent away, you know, Ser Kalasinac, another one, Ozil Mustafi, you're going to weaken your squad at times by doing that. There's going to be some short-term pain for the long-term gain when it comes to the culture and the dynamic of the dressing room. So that, for me, it, you know, is one of the things that I look at and I've been disappointed with the way he's handled certain situations and the impact that's had on the team. But when you're looking at the overall picture, you have to say he's probably done the right thing there. And 
And, we'll, you know, only time will tell. Only time will tell moving forward. Um, but yeah, look, it's been an underwhelming campaign. His, his objective at the start of the season would have been to qualify for the Champions League. The bare minimum would have been for a top six finish. We failed to do that and we failed to win a trophy. So you cannot in any way look at this campaign and, and say it was a success. Um, and I understand there are many out there who want to see him sacked right now. And I get it because there are plenty of reasons uh, that you could use to back up that argument that are completely valid. But he's not going anywhere. So let's focus on kind of supporting him and, and getting behind the side. Let's hope for a summer of, of significant business, a summer in which we bring in the right players. They don't necessarily have to be the most expensive players, but ones that will complement the team, complement what Mikel's trying to do um, and, and add something positive to the squad. Uh, big shout out to Daniel. Uh, again, Daniel, thank you for your kind donation. He says, do you feel like Saliba will have a place next season as the partner of Gabriel? Um, I think Saliba has a future at the club. I don't think it's a given that he walks straight into the first team. I think he'll be fighting for that spot alongside Rob Holding, unless, of course, Arsenal brings somebody else in at centre-back. He also asks if I think Genduzi has a future at the club. I think he has a short-term future. But with Guendouzi, of course, his Arsenal contract expires at the end of next season. So I wonder if on that basis, Arsenal will take a decision um, around what happens here. Do they look at him and say, yes, he can bring something to the club, extend his contract, keep him here, play him? Or do they look at Mateo Guendouzi and say, well, it's now or never, let's cash in and move him out? I'm not 100% sure on that. I think Guendouzi has all the ability to go on and become a very, very good player. But what he doesn't have is the right attitude at the moment. And I just hope that over the course of his career, that doesn't see him held back. Uh, but of course, as as with many things, time will tell. Going to round up by giving you guys my grade for the season. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G, uh, whatever it is, uh, exam style grade. I've gone with a D, uh, which is a fail. Um, it's not a majorly bad fail because of... Uh, some of the reasons I've talked about, but it's still a fail and there's no getting away from that. So I've graded Arsenal's season as a grade D, uh, which is disappointing. I've got plenty of Ds in my GCSEs. Don't worry about that. Uh, some of you going with E's. We've got some F's, F's in the chat as well. Uh, F coming from Syed, E from Krish, Omar says F. Ashton's gone with an F as well. Keep yours coming in the chat box. But I've gone with a D and I've gone with a D because of the reasons I've explained, because I think it has got better, because I think that some of the problems we've had have been out of Mikel Arteta's control. I haven't even messaged, uh, mentioned, sorry, injuries, uh, which have played a big part as well. Uh, so I'm going to go with a D. I think a D is fair. I think any more than any lower than that is probably a little bit harsh, but anything above that is probably a little bit generous. So that's my opinion. Uh, keep yours coming in the chat. And if you're watching this back on replay, then make sure uh, you guys are um, are uh, leaving your thoughts in the comments section below. Uh, Marble Halls points out that if it's GCSEs, it's a two. Mate, the GCSEs must have changed since I did them because it was A, B, Cs and Ds uh, when I was doing it. And I got plenty of Ds, I could promise you that. Uh, but there we go. Uh, that's my rating, uh, grading, I should say, of the season. And as I say, we'll be bringing you much more reflective content over the course of the next few days. Uh, looking back on this season, we'll be doing specific player ratings as well. And I'd love to get your thoughts and feedback on all of that. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, if you wish to become a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. 
Uh, don't forget to check out Manscaped. I'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal content, hopefully with less of a tingly sore throat. Because the amount of times I've stopped myself coughing during this podcast, unbelievable. But thank you all for your continued support. And I'll catch you all later on today for our Premier League end of season awards show, where I'll be joined by Dan DeLuca and Harry the Cosimo. So come join me for that. Until then, take care. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening.